0: So we are here at Resurrection Sunday, but I I want to prepare you for another event. A year from yesterday, a year from yesterday, I want you to be prepared for something. Because Simcoe, Ontario, will be one of the few prime places in all of North America to be. Can you believe it? In a year, on April 8th, at two o'clock in the afternoon the sun will cease to shine for two minutes and 58 seconds. We will be in the path of a total eclipse of the sun. Now, you might think, oh, that's not such a big deal. I've seen eclipses of the sun before. You know, that little, that disc comes over the earth or over the sun and, and it blocks out part of the sun. But no, this is gonna be you guys are going to be in total eclipse of the sun. Now, don't start singing total eclipse of the heart. <laughs> I know it went through my head. <laughs> It'll be a total eclipse of the sun, and you will want to be here, but so will a lot of other people. If it's anything like other total eclipses, there will be people congregating from many places, even London will not be close enough to see the total eclipse, so people are going to want to come here, the motels will be full, the Airbnbs will be full, and that's for three minutes of darkness of the sun, just three minutes, right? that's going to be crazy. Now, I'm told that it's a pretty eerie experience to be uh, in the midst of a total eclipse of the sun. And I've talked to people who have have been there and have uh, experienced it. I have a... The, the father-in-law of one of our daughters, he travels all over to be there at the total eclipse of the sun. He's been to, uh, uh, where did he go to? Idaho on one not long ago. And he's planning this year to go to Texas because he's afraid there might be cloud cover in places like Simcoe, right? So people will do this, and it's, it's an eerie thing, they tell me. It's a weird thing to experience total darkness like it's nighttime in the middle of day. Now, we're, we're kind of scared of darkness in our world, aren't we? It's kind of like we don't like darkness. Now, three minutes of it we can handle, but we tend to light up our world quite a bit, don't we? We have yard lights that light up our whole yards. We have night lights at night to keep us from being stumbling in the dark and that sort of thing. We have lights for security, and we are pretty kind of nervous about darkness. And when the lights go out, when the power goes out, we kind of freak out and we find those flashlights and candles. We, we don't like darkness. But imagine experiencing darkness for three hours in the middle of the day. Now, today we're mostly focusing on the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus. But we can't talk about the resurrection without at least talking a little bit about the crucifixion of Jesus. And I want us to take a look at this passage in Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 46. By this time, it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until about three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Darkness fell across the whole land for about three hours. God is speaking something to us in that. Uh, A... a, uh, a solar eclipse is just a natural phenomenon. This was a supernatural event that happened here. Now, a solar eclipse might give us a hint of this stuff, but three hours of that, that's, that would be unnerving. In a place like Judea, which always has sun and heat. But God was using darkness to communicate something in that moment, wasn't he? That Jesus, the savior of the world, was dying and the light of the world was going out. See, all through the Bible, God speaks of the contrast between light and darkness, between uh, good and evil, between order and chaos, by talking about light and darkness. He begins it by speaking of it in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. There we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So we have this picture of a universe that is dark and chaotic and God steps in to bring order and to bring light and to bring goodness out of darkness and chaos. All through the Bible, God speaks of this light and darkness contrast. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, we read, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Of course, that is prophecy about Jesus, the Messiah, who was yet to come. And the people of Israel at that time were experiencing darkness and chaos. They were in the dark because they were exiled in another land. They were in slavery to other peoples. And their darkness was deep. And they were crying out to God and they But God tells them that those who walk in darkness will see a great light, and in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. So we come to the New Testament and we understand where this light is coming from. And that's where we get to be today in the New Testament and in the experiences of our new covenant with Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 12, we read, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. So that kind of brings us back again to that crucifixion scene, doesn't it? Jesus is the light of the world. And God was showing the people of the day that as Jesus, the light of the world, is dying. The light of the world was going out. And we kind of saw that on Friday when we were here together. And we slowly extinguished each of these candles. And we we saw a dark shape on that canvas there. And yet God was in the midst of it, wasn't he? God was in the midst of even Jesus' death. There's other times, of course, in the New Testament where God uses bright light to teach us that Jesus is the light of the world. Think about the time when Jesus was on Transfiguration Mount and the Moses and Elijah, the prophets, were with him there. And Jesus is transfigured and is bright with light. We read about this in Matthew 17, verses 1 through 3. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. God wanted to show that Jesus is the light of the world. God wanted everyone to understand that this is my son, as God spoke that day. Listen to him. Yes, Elijah and Moses had their place, but now listen to him. And so Jesus, this bright light shines in that moment. John 1, verse 4 and 5. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. We live in some troubled times. We live in some times where we sometimes think the darkness is going to overcome the light, but God's word assures us the light shines in the darkness and can never extinguish it. In fact, we don't even need streetlights in heaven. Revelation chapter 21 tells us that Jesus is the streetlights of heaven. Well, Not quite streetlights, but the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. This whole idea of light. We celebrate light on Resurrection Sunday. I hope now with that kind of background you understand the contrast that God is always creating for us in terms of light and darkness and joy and chaos and order and chaos. With that kind of background, let's take a look at one of the resurrection um, messages, one of the resurrection passages in Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 7. And watch for how many times in these resurrection stories that we hear about light in them. Matthew 28, 1 through 7. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. Wow, that was kind of an understatement, wasn't it? Don't be afraid. I'm sure they were afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Early on Sunday morning, the new day was dawning. An angel comes and speaks to them in bright light, clothing as white as snow. God is saying... You remember that darkness on Friday. There's light again now. Mark's account is similar. Saturday evening, uh, this is Mark 16, 1 through 8. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, at, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, "'Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb?' But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, "'Don't be alarmed. "'You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified.' He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. They said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. One more resurrection story. So we remind ourselves that this is there in all of these stories. In Luke chapter 24, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of Jesus, of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes the women were terrified and bowed down Uh, let me see lost my pot there and bowed with their faces to the ground then the men asked why are you looking among the dead for those for someone who is alive he isn't here he's risen from the dead Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would arise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. They told the the women specifically to tell Peter, and Peter runs and, and goes and looks for himself. I hope that through you realize here that throughout the Bible, there's these two themes that we're hearing. This light and darkness. And I just want us to focus on that for another couple of minutes. You see, darkness is linked to things like order, hope, grace, love, goodness, patience, justice. Things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, joy, consideration of others, prayer, peace, and sacrifice for others. I think there's a slide that just shows those words so we can kind of think upon those words for a moment. See, these are the words that are associated with light, with love, with joy, with goodness. Those are the things that we're to celebrate this morning as we celebrate the resurrection darkness is linked with things like chaos injustice hate selfishness pain worry anxiety despair and isolation from god and we can easily get hung up listening or looking at those things in the world there's plenty of darkness to look at in our world but light is linked to good things like order hope grace goodness. So I'm hoping by now that as you think about celebrating the resurrection, we realize that we celebrate these good things. Jesus came into the world to give us all of these good things. And he triumphed over the darkness of our world. He triumphed over the chaos and disorder of our world. Jesus was there at the very first light. Let there be light. And he was there at the new light that came at the resurrection. And now, today, we get to share in that light of Jesus, in that new life that Jesus brings into the world. Matthew 5.16 tells us that we are to let our light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds And glorify your Father in heaven. The passage doesn't say things like, focus on the darkness. It doesn't say, let your righteous anger be seen, or your turmoil and your anxiety be seen, or don't focus on the problems of the world. It says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're called to live in the light. I think sometimes we we tend to make the gospel kind of complicated. And yet Jesus says, I am the light and I want you to live in the light. 1 John 2, 9 through 11 says, If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, the person is still living in the darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. There's a lot of distractions in our world. There's a lot of things that can drag us down in this world right now. And yet Jesus says it's really pretty simple. Let's love one another. What did Jesus say when he spoke to the the man who came to ask him about the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and and your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two important commandments. So really, I guess, the gospel can be kind of uh, broken down to something pretty simple. Love God and love everyone. It's a pretty simple gospel that God calls us to. Love God, love everyone. Jesus shines with the bright light of dawn. He is the one who brings this light into the world. That's why we celebrate light on Resurrection Sunday. That's why we we know that when the moon passes between the earth and the sun. It's just a temporary thing. And God will bring the sunlight back into the world. And just as we know that those three hours without light was a temporary thing. Jesus shows us that he is the light of the world. And that he is now living among us. But if we want to outrun our shadow. We need to focus on. We need to run toward the light. And So as we think about how we live our lives as Christians in this world, let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Let's keep running toward that light. We don't run towards the problems. We don't let the problems bother us too much. We run toward the light. We run toward Jesus. Let me pray with us. Lord Jesus, there are so many distractions in our world. So many things that can keep us from uh, going the wrong, that can keep us from going toward Jesus. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to keep our eyes on the light and, and then flood our minds and our lives with light and life and joy and peace. Take away the anxieties of this world as we focus on Jesus. Let us not be distracted by the cares of this world. Let us put our eyes upon Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. We're going to enter into a time of communion today. Uh, and so if you uh, failed to grab one of those little packages of communion as, on your way in, there's some scattered around the auditorium, so just uh, feel free to jump up and grab one if you need to. But as we, uh, as we celebrated uh, Jesus' death on the cross on Friday, uh, we on Easter Sunday, we celebrate all of the story all at once. I mean, in fact, we kind of celebrate... Christmas, as well as uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection. Everything is wrapped up in this bit of bread that, that uh, Jesus broke with his disciples and the cup of wine that he shared with his disciples that day. Everything is wrapped up in this moment. And so Jesus gives us this communion meal... I mean, we've, we've kind of made it a pretty small meal, and I'm hoping that you'll have a bigger meal sometime today. But perhaps even as you're celebrating a meal today with friends and family, you might think as you break a piece of bread, as you take a bit of a drink, you might again think about what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. And I think that's what, why God gave us this remembrance together we celebrate it in this small fashion but we remember him at every moment with very normal things of life a piece of bread and a bit of juice or a bit of wine and we remember that Jesus died on the cross for us taking away our sins but we also remember, and particularly on Resurrection Sunday, we remember that he rose again from the dead and triumphed over death. That, that last thing that always gets everyone is death. Medical uh, medicine has not managed to get rid of death, but Jesus has conquered death. And one day we can be with him where he is the light of heaven. And we can rejoice with him in heaven because of this resurrection Sunday. And so we take this meal together. But as we go into this time of communion, I wanted to read a uh, it'll it'll be a poem for you in a sense, but it's the words of a song by a guy by the name of Phil Kagey. He wrote these songs a few years ago, back when I was a young man. Some of us were young men. But this one is uh, it's called The Survivor. And just listen to it and think about it. In, at moments in the song, he seems to be talking about Jesus being the survivor of the cross. At other moments, he's talking about us being survivors, that because of his resurrection, we, ha- we will survive. And so listen to these words. I have heard the slander of many, terror on every side, While they counsel together against me, a scheme to take away my life. I am small, concealed in this darkness, yearning to see the light. But I may never, because of the heartless attempt, to take away my life. Am I safe? The water around me is changing. Is it all right? I am burning. Oh, what are they doing? They want to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in Thee. Oh, Lord, my times are in your hands. You are my God. Deliver me from the solution that they have planned. I'm condemned, completely unwanted. I struggle to stay inside. Oh, my dear mother, your future is haunted if they succeed and take away my life. I'm cut off, exposed in this cold room. For love and warmth I strive. Will you discard me, throw away, or starve me, and slowly drain away my life? But as for me, I trust in thee. O Lord, my times are in your hands. You are my God. Deliver me from the solution that they have planned. Desperate hands reach out to embrace me and steal away in the night. A gentle voice is speaking assuredly. No one will take away your life. Now I am one apart from the millions, fortunate to survive. And though I bear on my body these old wounds, they didn't take away my life. But as for me, I trust in thee. O Lord, my times are in your hands. You are my God. Deliver me from the solution that they have planned.